Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Our children are constantly looking to us for examples. The term role model doesn't quite cut it here. We are shaping their worldview with every move we make. You see, it's not in the lectures we give or moments where we are actively attempting to teach them. It's in the micro movements we make, the unconscious ways in which we navigate life. We are constantly teaching our children how to show up for themselves, their friends, their future partners, and even their future children. So what can we do to ensure we are raising thoughtful, compassionate, self-aware human beings? We have to become them ourselves. No one is perfect, but we can still all be better, and it starts with self-healing. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Imperfect Mumming, and we have a very special guest today, Samantha Ruth. Welcome to Imperfect Mumming. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I want your name to be Ruth because you have Ruthless everywhere, but which I love. <laughs> I ran so, with it. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Oh, me. Oh, my. I am a psychologist, speaker, author, dog mommy, aunt, <laughs> live in Colorado from Michigan. What else? Widow, founder of Grief Hab. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Grief Hab is rehab for grief. Mm. My version, I, uh, I, as a psychologist, with my background and my resources, I still could not find any of the support or any of the things I needed mm. while I was struggling. I was not given anything at the hospital. I was not given anything at the funeral home. So fortunately, I knew to pick up the phone and call my own therapist. Um, mm. But what what does the average person do if they don't have those resources and your brain changes immediately? Um, so I became more angry the, the further along I got and the more I realized, um, even though I knew that grief never ends, it gets harder. It, it doesn't get easier. We still need help and support goes away. People's lives go on, uh, and we still need help. So I decided to create it. And I, I do, obviously I do counseling and the emotional support, but I also do any and everything else that comes up along the way. If you've been through any type of loss, there's a lot of dumb tasks uh, that come up that get in the way of healing. So I will do those silly, stupid things so that you don't have to <laughs> like death certificates. Anytime I had to present it, that would send me back several steps. Um, yeah. you know, it really, it really is emotionally draining and would knock me down all over again. So I don't want my clients to have to go through that. And there are places that do that for you, but they don't provide the counseling as well. Mm -hmm. So I put the two together. I mean, that's amazing. And it, and I find it, you know, somewhat interesting, um, that your experience was that there wasn't support when um my my dad was went into hospice care before he passed and the hospice um 
service was had asked us for our for our information our phone number our address and all all that kind of stuff for a specific purpose like if we can't get a hold of my stepmom then um you know or like here who's the list down the line and so I was inundated with calls and and literature and lots of different things that I actually didn't feel like I needed because of a lot of the work that I had done and I like I actually had to ask them to stop. I will say that hospice, if you are prepared, unfortunately, if you know, and that doesn't make the grieving process any easier. Right. If you have someone that goes into hospice, they do give you resources and they do provide a lot of support. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. I unexpected traumatic loss where my husband collapsed at work on a typical Wednesday or the car accident or this, that situation yeah. We we don't get those resources. We don't have people by our side for days or weeks giving us even a pamphlet. Right. Not a, not one. Now now some people I've talked to got a pamphlet or a folder. Um yeah. not one. Yeah. And and the thought I, I I don't mean to minimize it and and make it so silly but Google when you are grieving that that's overwhelming. So right. there are people who will just say, forget it and not get the help that they need. Right. So even a pamphlet yeah. would be something, at least a phone right. number. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I'm like truly grateful to you that you found something to like, you had a pain, like that's my greatest. That's the thing that I admire the most is when people have their own pain and then they write the book or they create the company or whatever it is that they do to serve the people that and be that person that they didn't have like that's Mm -hmm. I love that uh when people do that so thank you for 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 that um and grief is something that we don't understand um and is there so as something that we don't understand, is there anything that you can share with our listeners who are, um, you know, potentially going through something similar, their grief of some kind? Um, I mean, I would, I imagine that, or I've heard in several circles that even things that happened during COVID, not just the loss of people during COVID, but so many of the losses that we had during that time. So like we all were collectively grieving Um, and we don't know what to do with our normal emotions, let alone grief, which is very um, abnormal. So is there anything that you could share um, with our listeners? Um, It's the one thing we'll all go through if we haven't yet. And, and, and the one or one of the biggest thing the world avoids talking about because it is uncomfortable uh, and it doesn't have to be. Most things in life are uncomfortable until we learn how, until we practice, you know, we all fell off of a bike and scraped our knee and cried. It's easier. It's less painful together. 
So know that the world is the one, the world has it backwards, not you. You're not doing anything wrong. We, we've all been taught wrong. We've, we've been taught not to talk about it. We've been taught to get back out, you know, shake it off and get back out there and put your big girl pants on. That's not right. That, that really isn't healthy. It's any ending moving, going from middle school to high school or high school to college. That's hard. It's a transition. Mm -hmm. It's not all happy and congratulations, you graduated. There's, it's scary. You're allowed to have feelings about it and pretending they don't exist and shoving them away and acting like everything's just fine is not healthy. And you're allowed to talk about the other stuff too. So whatever that loss is, you're allowed to feel however you feel. And the only way through it is by talking about it and dealing with it however you deal with it. Um, nobody liked the way I dealt with it at the time. Everybody likes where I'm at now. Uh, but, the you know, it was pretty ugly. And I didn't act like I was fine because I was not. Mm. Uh, and I just don't, I wasn't going to pretend I was fine. I just, I don't, I don't, I couldn't do that. How, how I couldn't make sense of that. I wasn't going to do that to make you feel comfortable. Right. Cause that's really, I think that that's important that people understand that it's not, it's not about like, it's only about that person feeling uncomfortable with your grief. I, I was in that. It, I was in so much pain that your discomfort did not matter. And right. you can use me as your example, right? Like I just didn't care. And I say to my clients, you're a little bit more polite than I am, you know, <laughs> but you don't have to, you don't have to be rude. All you did was lose someone and you're expected to worry about someone else's anything don't have to. If you if you need to show up in pajamas, show up in pajamas. If you need to leave early, leave early. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we're putting the world before our well-being and that's backwards. Do it your way. And I think that that's a, a testament to how we do a lot of things where you know, our, the message out there is put your mask on first, but that's not what's being modeled anywhere out when it comes to taking care of yourself. Like, unless you have come to this realization, like I'm going to take care of my needs first. Most people aren't doing that. They run around worrying about everyone else. And it took, here I, I'm a psychologist, taking care of everyone else. But it was also my role in relationships. I put everyone else first. And it took my world shattering, losing my everything for me to say, not anymore. I cannot. I am, I was not, I had zero energy. I didn't care enough at that point to put anybody before me. And I was barely able to do that. So then I realized, you know what? Even now that I am getting the energy, I'm going to continue to live this way. 
Mm. It's better over here on this side and it's how it should have been done all along. Yeah. You brought up another really good point too, is that, you know, the world moves on within, you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month of your grief, of your loss. And one thing that um, my, one of my friends lost her dad probably a year before I lost mine. And, and about six months to a year later, she reached out to me and said, how are you doing? I noticed that people stopped asking me how I was doing and I wasn't okay. And so I wanted to make sure, and I wanted to make sure to ask you how you're doing. And I think that a lot of us don't think to do that inside, like inside someone's grief. We have no choice. We have to keep going. We have to function, have to pay the bills, work, do things. So the world sees us living, functioning. I didn't necessarily want to be. I was forcing myself to do things. But they don't see the inner struggle. They don't see me waking up still to this day, reaching for gym every morning. It'll be six years next week. I I still cry every day. I'm not hysterically crying, curled in a ball. But grief is invisible. And there's this myth For me, I believe it's one year. There's this myth that after this certain time frame, poof. You're better. (laughs) And I will never be able to do certain things. Like instructions are like Japanese to me now. Mm. My brain has permanently changed. Our brain after trauma permanently changes. There's scientific evidence. We can look, you know, we can prove it if it needs to be proven to the critics out there. So I have college degrees. I cannot perform certain things the way I used to be able to like that. I've had to learn to take breaks, to have sticky notes. I've always had sticky notes, but there, like there are changes you make to get by that other people don't see. They just see us walking around functioning. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're reminding me of, um, so the two, I would say the two biggest losses that I've had as an, as an adult, I mean, I've had anyway, but my, the most recent losses, I guess I can say is my, my dad and uh, my best friend four years earlier. And that was sudden, you know, she just didn't wake up and like, I can feel tears now just thinking about it. And it, it just kind of hits you. Like it just did. You think about them or you, um, yeah, you just think about them or you see something that reminds you. And, um, yeah. And it just kind of overwhelmed me just now. (laughs) What do you have advice for, for that? 
for when that happens. Yeah. I honor it. I, you know, the, the fighting it, the resisting it, that's harder. That makes it last longer. It's more painful, but we live in a culture where most people do fight the tears or don't want to talk about it. To me, talking about what she liked, tell me, tell me your favorite memory about her. I want to know now. Yeah. Um, I mean, she she loved people, but she loved my son. And she just had this smile that lit up the room. Like, that's the thing that people noticed about her you know, the pictures that I would share and and whatnot. Um, and she just loved to have fun. I, I just think talking about it and getting through it is yeah. better than fighting it. That might be different for you. Some people might prefer distraction um, changing the subject right um but how do we how do we keep her in your son's life and keep them with us if we don't talk about them right and he was probably six or seven i think when when she passed and um she had she had a connection to owls that i never asked her about but they reminded her of her dad. And so she had one of those scentsy um, plush plushies. So they smell, they have a, a smell in them and they're, they're squishy. And I, the day that she passed, I was at her house and I saw that plushie and I have one that's a lion for, you know, my last name. And I said, I'm taking that. And that's going to Xander. That belongs to Xander now. <laughs> Luckily, nobody fought me over it. Um, and that, like, to this day, when I tuck in my son, I, you know, tuck him in with Mommy Lion and Shelly Owl. And those are his um, his little snuggle, snuggle things. Um, and the and every time I see an owl, I know that that's her reminding me that she's there um yeah and it's one thing that I noticed when my dad passed away was when I did sh swallow the tears because I had I was like in the middle of I have I'm off to work or I'm off to an appointment or whatever it was and I'd swallow the tears they would come back up later that same day like not something that normally wouldn't make me cry would make me cry like something that would make me emotional but maybe not make me cry would come up later and I think that um that a lot of people are going through life not realizing that that's what their road rage is and that it's these these uncried tears um and we would all have a 
a different experience of of life if we just allowed those tears to cry and believe me it's not comfortable for me to sit here with tears streaming down my face um and there there was there's no stopping those <laughs> there's no stopping them for me now and i feel good <laughs> And, and I agree. I mean, they, they show up in some other way. It can be health. It can be road rage. It can be conflicts in our relationships. It can be how we perform at our jobs. So that's, that's, you can keep them in, but where do you pay the price? Yeah. Did you say that you wrote a book? Is it, is it related to grief or is it something else? I've written chapters in um six one is my own book project called faces of mental illness mm. uh and i just announced my book project faces of grief mm. uh, because i think people need to share there's a there's also i write letters to jim every day so that's how it started i i just need to talk to him i talk out loud i talk in writing uh, and there's something therapeutic and healing through getting it out somewhere. Uh, but I think people also need to know that they're not alone, um, that we all have our own story and get through it in our own way. And that, you know, reading someone else's story might let someone know you know, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I, I needed to know I wasn't losing my mind. Yeah. There's a phrase that goes around um, in my uh, community of of coaches um, that they shorten to, to Yana, you are not alone. And that's literally the most comforting phrase that like w with my with my own clients, like I've seen people just their whole body just kind of collapses in relief at the phrase that you're not alone. Yeah. When we talked about grief, if there's something about it that's isolating, you mm -hmm. lose, you lose someone, people go back to their lives. There's yeah. something about it that makes you feel like no one else gets it, even though there are others who have some piece of it that they will relate to. No one has the exact same story, but there are people out there who will understand in some way. And if you can let yourself connect, it's scary, but find a group that you're willing to connect with. It's so worth it um, because the people, I'm not saying your friends and family and current people are not amazing, but if you, you will let yourself find new people, um, I, the new people I let in, I would not be here without. Mm. Yeah. I, I appreciate this whole, um, conversation and, um, and, and again, the work that you do and, and I appreciate you holding space for me. Um, I've asked for several pieces of advice for you, but is the, or from you, already but is there a piece of advice that you want to share with moms oh moms moms need to make themselves a priority 
right? Mm -hmm. I waited until I lost everything to take time for me. And you matter. You're worth it. Uh, I know you're out there doing everything for everyone else. And it is not selfish. You need to not, you, you don't need to put yourself at the bottom of the list. You are on the list. <laughs> you need to be at the top. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if it's three minutes at the beginning of the day, somewhere in the day you matter and you do so, so much for everyone. Um, and you can't be there if you are not taking time for you. So it doesn't have to be a whole Saturday, doesn't have to be hours, but you have got to make time in there for you. Um, do not wait for your world to fall apart to realize uh, that you have to take that time. Yeah. And uh, like, <laughs> we'll just put that, rewind that hour or that minute <laughs> a couple of times and re-listen to that until that sinks in because um, like so much comes from that putting yourself first and the connection to yourself and like not just doing 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 for other people and um my my business partner and I always say a lot like we're human beings not human doings so just be sometimes can help um was there uh, a book I know that you said that you didn't find the support that you were looking for was there was there something um that was instrumental in your healing um, Jack Canfield is my one of my mentors uh he wrote the chicken soup books but he also wrote the success principles mm. uh and that is huge in my life I was sitting with that book under a tree mm. with my dog I had one at the time um, and I connected with someone who said, did you know, you know, he has a training program. And so that is how I ended up working with him in person. But they're simple, simple principles that I live by and I'm trained in and teach. Um, but I would recommend anyone and they have it for teens. Um, Life changing. Absolutely. And where can our listeners find you? Um especially those that are that are grieving and that are needing your support right now my website is samantharuth.com and my community is grief hab um, mm -hmm. it's on facebook but it's also on my website awesome well i appreciate your your time and space and energy and everything that you've um, contributed in um in this conversation to our mom's listening and to me and um thank you thank you so much you're welcome so there'll be another episode of imperfect momming for you all coming next week and until we meet again keep healing bye guys thank you for tuning in to imperfect momming it's time for us to step up and realize that our power is not in trying to shape our children. Our power lies in shaping ourselves into the people we want our children to model themselves after. Don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. When you become a more self-aware, compassionate, and confident person, you and everyone around you benefit. For more information about me and my work, visit alishalyons.com. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A. -S 
L-Y-O-N-S.com. See you next time.